Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I'm Mark Ellis. I'm a stand-up comic, a Rotten Tomatoes correspondent, and I've been to Brooklyn many times, although I'm not a member of the undead. (laughs) And I'm Jacqueline Coley. I'm an editor at Rotten Tomatoes, where I cover independent film and awards. And And I've been to Brooklyn, too. I was going to say, are you going to, do you want to put it out there? Are you a member of the Vampire Armies, or are you, in fact, still possessing a pulse? I mean, no, I've I've been to Brooklyn. Actually, what's really funny about Brooklyn, this is like a, a strange story, but like there is a bartender I flirted with every time I would go to New York that was from Brooklyn. And I you never and I, I never did more than flirt with him, but he was yeah. he was big on Brooklyn. He was a big I, Brooklyn person. I remember hearing about this young man and because <laughs> you and I never went to Brooklyn together, but I did no. offer because we were we were we were pounding around New York City, and I had just finished my stand up comedy offerings of the night, and Jacqueline came to the Late Show, and so then I was like, well, you know, bars are open until forever in New York, so if you want to go, I can just kind of be your wingman and just chill in the corner, and you can hit on this bartender, <laughs> have him hit on you, but it just it, our nights ended up not working out like that. They so didn't converge. You and the bartender <laughs> are are donezo. No, there's. I mean, there's a pandemic. Anything that's not within a walking distance away, Mark, is not going to happen in 2020. I think we have all established this. Okay, <laughs> well, so maybe that relationship went south. And so if there was a tomato meter for relationships, you could say Jacqueline and the Brooklyn bartender, eh, it's probably <laughs> going to be on the rotten side of things, <laughs> as is Vampire in Brooklyn, which critics gave this. It's Wes Craven. It's Eddie Murphy. And it's only 12%. On the tomato meter, audiences gave it a little bit nicer of a score. The audience score is 31%. I, for the life of me, Jacqueline, cannot figure out why these scores are so low because it is a vampire movie that's a lot of fun, some camp. Kadeem Hardison is amazing in it, and it's got Eddie. It's got Angela. What's the problem here? I have several theories. I love putting myself in the minds of people who didn't like something that I enjoy. And I definitely came up with a very good shortlist for this movie. So I, I think I have some <laughs> some evidence for them. Well, we also have a very special guest that's going to be joining us in just a little bit who has some strong thoughts on Vampire in Brooklyn in his own right. But before we get into that, Jacqueline, what in the hell is this movie about? Okay, so Vampire in Brooklyn is a horror comedy that was directed by Wes Craven. Yes, that Wes Craven. And it stars Eddie Murphy. And it was actually penned by Eddie, Wes Craven, and his brother, Charlie Murphy. In it, we follow Maximilian. He is a West Caribbean, he is a West Indies Caribbean style vampire 
vampire who is on the hunt for the last surviving half vampire who he knows lives in Brooklyn. His entire clan was killed and so he arrives in New York after basically killing an entire ship of sailors and he's on the hunt to find Angela Bassett. She doesn't know that she's part vampire but just one dance with our very smooth, very jerry curled hair, Eddie Murphy, (laughs) he is going to make her fall in love with him and become his vampire bride. Yeah, you hear that? It's like Angela Lansbury saying, it's a tale as old as time. And we're definitely going to get into Eddie Murphy's flowing mane because that was a big thing in the early 90s, folks. This movie came out in 1995 at the tail end of the cool guy mullet phase of Earth. And (laughs) we also are going to welcome in producer Lucy in a little bit here because Lucy always is good for notes and keeping us on our P's and Q's. But before we get into any of that, our expert research curator here, he's the one that sorts through all the critic reviews of movies like Vampire in Brooklyn for Rotten Tomatoes. He is our very own Tim Ryan, and he's going to tell us what the folks were saying about the movie at the time of its release, Halloween 1995. Tim, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mark. When Vampire in Brooklyn came out in 1995, Eddie Murphy was sort of in the middle of a rough patch after the huge success he'd had in the early to mid-80s. His previous films leading up to it were Harlem Nights, Another 48 Hours, The Distinguished Gentleman, Boomerang, which is actually kind of a personal favorite of mine, and Beverly Hills Cop 3. So what you have there were movies where he either tried to branch out into new places or where he tried to relive some of the glory that came before, and critics were not impressed with (laughs) any of these. On the other hand, Wes Craven was kind of riding a mini hot streak with People Under the Stairs and Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I kind of like quite a bit. So I think a lot of people were intrigued by the idea of a great horror director working with a great comedy actor. Oh, and by the way, Angela Bassett was also pretty hot after her Oscar nominated performance in What's Love Got to Do With It. Unfortunately, Vampire in Brooklyn is at 12% on the tomato meter with 34 reviews, and it has a 31% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Dessen Thompson of the Washington Post wrote, Considering it was directed by Elm Street creator Wes Craven, Vampire isn't stunningly scary or particularly atmospheric. He goes on to write, This modern fable is little more than a Murphy potboiler, something to while away a couple of hours rather than to fondly remember. In a fresh review, Brian Lowry of Variety wrote, Striking a good balance between horror and comedy, with the emphasis tilted to the former, this contemporized vampire tale flits along in entertaining fashion before making like a ghoul and falling apart at the end. So the general consensus among the critics was that Vampire in Brooklyn couldn't quite decide what it wanted to be. Was it a horror movie? Was it a romance? Was it a comedy? And that the talents involved were underutilized, and that the film didn't play to the strengths of Wes Craven or Eddie Murphy or Angela Bassett. So that's Vampire in Brooklyn. Happy Halloween, Mark and Jacqueline, and uh, trick-or-treat and all that. The review that really struck me, which I understand where this person is coming from, is when they said, look, Kadeem Hardison is great as comic relief in this movie, but you gotta question a movie that stars Eddie Murphy that still needs comic relief. And so I think that's the viewpoint that a lot of folks were looking at this film through. You put on that periscope and say, okay, we're looking for Eddie Murphy to be funny, and we're not really finding it, and he's doing this Shakespearean vampire turn, and it's just freaking us out a little bit. Uh, I would 
agree with that one, but I think you're giving way too much credit to what critics were thinking of Eddie Murphy comedies at the time. I think audiences were maybe thinking that, but I think critics were still thinking about Harlem Nights and The Distinguished Gentleman and all the other recent Eddie Murphy pans that they gave. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I have to... Maybe we can ask our guest. He was maybe alive back then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we need to do a whole month of Eddie Murphy movies because I I love Harlem Nights. I love Distinguished Gentlemen. I, I think maybe I'm just infatuated with Eddie Murphy. As I know our guest is, he is one of my good friends. He's one of the funniest comedians I know. He's also huge in the wrestling world, both commentating on it and actually getting into the ring. He is the Mad Titan. You can find him on his show, Blurds in the Hood, alongside Winston Marshall each and every week. Jay Washington is our very special guest. Jay, which gym are you joining us from today? Uh, it's called the gym of my bedroom floor <laughs> because it is a pandemic and they won't open the gyms. There are some that are open outside, but it still gets 100 degrees in Los Angeles. There's I just something figured about not you'd be to get doing one of the like, while working out. <laughs> but you could go down to like Venice, like what Kadeem Hardison was doing in White Men Can't Jump, the movie that introduced me to his comedic genius, where you just go to Venice. You can go to that Gold's Gym and just be outside showing the okay, guns off. Okay, so so two things. Uh, one, I'm going to need you to really understand where he came from. That is Dwayne Wayne from a different world. I need you to understand that. Sure that. Number one. <laughs> number two, I'm just not fit to randomly go to Venice because I'm like, oh, I need to work out. I live in the Valley. And for those who don't let, know what uh, the Valley is of California, that's about an hour away because traffic is still real out here. Uh, no. But are you committed to your fitness, brah? I hey, mean, man, look, I, me if you, you go to let Venice... Listen, wait, if you go to Venice, you can go to Sizzler. You can go to Sizzler. <laughs> Sorry, that's white man can't. You can't jump. I, I, I know that line. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm For the audience. Committed. You never know. People oh, may yeah, have seen it. Yeah, that's true. They'd be like, what's a Sizzler? I ain't never heard of a Sizzler. <laughs> like, I know for me, my fitness involves Sean T and his Focus T25s, which he's been whooping my behind, okay? And, and that is all I have to say about that. But, yeah. Jay is going Sizzler because that that's where you go to get. Actually, I think Sizzlers are closed out here. All buffets are cool. Look, a lot of stuff is closed, but it gives us yeah. more time to watch movies and then digest them and talk oh, about I them. I like how is, you did that. That was so cute. That's how I bring it all back. <laughs> Square it up and then ask Jay his first question. Jay, Vampire in Brooklyn. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong with their 12% on the tomato meter with this movie? I would like to get into my distinguished voice as I respond to your question, Sir Ellis. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong <laughs> in their depiction of Vampire in Brooklyn? No, they are absolutely right. This movie is terrible on several reasons. First of all, that Nick Ashford wig they gave Eddie Murphy, and they was like, you're going to be fine with this solid as a rock lace front. Like, you're going to be cool with this. Lace can, front. I want to be very specific. It is a lace, lace front. front. A 94 <laughs> Lace front. lace front. It's a 94 lace front. You get that. You get Kadeem Hardison, who, for some reason, nobody decided to call 911 like, hey, fam got body parts falling off. We just cool with it, right? <laughs> Everybody was just cool with Kadeem Hardison losing an ear, an arm. Like, John Witherspoon was like, well, as long as you pay the rent, what? Like, yo, I don't want nobody living in my house that has leprosy. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what you think he got. Then, you know what I'm saying? You got that. You got Angela Bassett just out here like, look, I know I'm going to be a star as this keeps going on, so I'm going to do what I do. <laughs> Alan Payne looked like he just here for a paycheck. He just like, 
you know, they gonna they want me to have a sex scene, but I already did that in 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 that up uh, that movie, Jason's lyric. I don't need to show my booty no more. Like I don't <laughs> good. So this Rotten Tomatoes is right because it it tries too hard. And when you find out what Eddie Murphy wanted this to be, you like, hey, somebody need to sit him down and say, hey man, listen, look, you are Eddie Murphy. You are delirious, you are raw, you are gumby, damn it. But uh, you are not about to be serious <laughs> as no vampire looking like That's this. That's people the- were, were probably going to this movie because <laughs> they thought it was just going to be another rollicking Eddie Murphy comedy. I had rented it from Video Update after it came out, and I put it on, and I enjoyed it for what it was. But I don't remember thinking, oh, this is a great movie. Why are people sleeping on this? I also didn't think, I can't believe I just wasted $2.99 renting this movie of my hard-earned allowance. But I do distinctly remember Eddie Murphy and what a monster star he was in the late 80s when I was first coming into consciousness of what pop culture is. Because I was ready for the Showtime free preview weekend. My family didn't get Showtime, but Showtime would do those free previews where they would uh, air yes. everything, all their best How stuff. How much are you going to date yourself with all these reps? You carbon date yourself. I mean, yeah, they still do it every now and then, but you're like, look, I remember my hard-earned allowance for two ninety nine. Like, you just, and then Showtime <laughs> oh, had a free Get ready <laughs> for old Mark Ellis to date himself further, because here's three letters you don't hear anymore. VCR. I was setting the VCR, and I was going to try to wait until my parents fell asleep, then I was going to sneak back down to the basement to tape Eddie Murphy Raw. I heard it was raunchy. I heard it was randy. He says all kinds of bad words in it. And so I taped a little bit of it. My parents caught me. And so I they weren't that mad because, you know, Mark was there's worse things you can be doing in the basement at 2 a.m. But I got to see a little bit of it. And from there, there was just this love fest of all things Eddie Murphy. And that has carried over to the boy talking right now. And so I might be a bit of an apologist when it comes to him taking chances with movies like A Vampire in Brooklyn. Jay, your first time when you heard either the two names, Eddie and Murphy, or when you saw Vampire in Brooklyn. I, just as much as you, am an Eddie Murphy fan. Again, I snuck watching raw and delirious because that was again as a black child those were the things like you would hear your parents your aunts and uncles cracking up laughing about you like yo what is so funny and then you go in they like you don't get up about this room real quick and then you sneak and watch it and so again coming to america trading places 48 hours all these movies eddie murphy i love okay so yes when i hear eddie murphy's doing a vampire film i'm automatically thinking it's a comedy I'm automatically thinking that because I'm like, okay, you added Wes Craven as the director. I'm like, well, Nightmare on Elm Street happened and People Under the Stairs is still one of my favorite underrated horror movies that nobody gives credit to. Shout out Ving Rhames. Uh, but I I just, I saw it and I was like, wait, why is this happening? Why does Eddie Murphy have on contacts that I think I'm finna go buy in two weeks? Like Eddie, <laughs> Eddie had on these, these, these blatant hazel contacts. Like these, they was just like, Eddie, open your eyes and like this is what we're gonna go with and then you realize later his contacts go from hazel to yellow like we're not supposed to pay no attention and then the leather the le- yeah it looked like leather not even latex and rubber it looked like leather prosthetics they put on his face and it's just like c- come on fam like you look like the worst klingon that they didn't let stay in the federation like no it just was terrible and so all these things again and again it's him trying to be serious but still making comedic lines 
Like he's again, he goes in this. I, I'm serious. I'm going to be a real actor. You guys are going to respect my, you know, my craft and the work that I put in. And then you're like, of this movie, of this one. So that, that's why I'm like, again, it's a, it's one of those bad movies you love to watch because you can get a good laugh out of it. And it may be a laugh that is mocking the movie. And I think that's what a lot of people thought about the film at the time, Jacqueline, is this is just something that we're going to put on the shelf and make fun of as opposed to laughing with it, which was not really the intention of the movie, as it turns out. What was the first experience you had with Vampire in Brooklyn? Were you old enough to see it in the theater, dare I say, or is this something you caught much later? This is definitely not. Uh, again, my mother was definitely not taking me to the movie theater um, for Vampire in Brooklyn. I remember, in fact, Boomerang, which came out just before this. My mother forbade me from even like discussing that movie because Boomerang was like this whole thing back then. But there was so much sex in it that my mother was like, no. And so like my cousins were talking about it. And she like forbade them from talking about the movie around me. Plus that, the woman in that is named Jacqueline, and I think that just messed with her head. But back to Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> is, that, I, is that Robin Givens? Who yeah, that is Robin Givens, yeah, and she's, okay. she's stone cold in that movie, so yes, I just is. don't think my mother liked yes, that whole is. thing. That's um, what it said on the poster, a player listen, who's about to be played. Listen, my mother was not about that whole scenario. Anyway, so Vampire in Brooklyn, though, I do remember, I definitely watched this on HBO. I don't know if that was the first time I watched it, but I very much remember because if anybody had HBO back in the day, you remember those HBO promos that they used to play? Like nobody watches HBO like that anymore, but it's like coming next, Eddie Murphy, Vampire in Brooklyn. And it would like say what day and time it was going up on. And I really remember like those promos and seeing Vampire in Brooklyn on there. So I know I watched that there. So that's my first time experiencing it. I thought it was hilarious. I still own my VHS copy of Harlem Nights. This is like my Eddie Murphy heyday um I, as you I definitely love all of these sp specifically African-American bit Eddie Murphy films the most Boomerang Harlem Nights Vampire in Brooklyn those are kind of my favorite ones okay so if you're looking at this movie in terms of what it wanted to be or what the ideal of it was and you look at horror comedies the history of horror comedies tend to err on the side of comedy because you can have you have Tucker and Dale versus Evil or you can have movies as far back as you can go where you're not getting a whole lot of scares there's just horror elements sandwiched inside a comedy and then Wes Craven the next year after Vampire in Brooklyn would go on to do one of the very few horror comedies in my opinion that is genuinely scary and funny which is Scream and fun fact, Eddie Murphy also in the next year would go on to do a movie that really got to showcase his ability to perform multiple characters in the same scene in The Nutty Professor. And he gets to dip his toe in those waters, too. So there's a lot of moving parts here. But it seems that Eddie wanted to play this serious. And Wes Craven wanted to make a horror movie, but with the comedic stylings of Eddie Murphy. And according to our expert researcher Mark Hoffmeyer's notes, Paramount, the studio, wanted an Eddie Murphy comedy that just happened to have a vampire background. So everybody was aiming for a little bit of a different target with this movie. And so I guess the opening question would be, did it hit any of those notes? I mean, it was funny. I can't say that it wasn't it wasn't funny. I don't know if I was ever scared about this movie, other than slightly disturbed by the 
the Nikki character. She bothered me a lot, <laughs> even as a child. Yo, Nikki was like that woman's life is kind of scary. No Picking reason. up strange men on the street, girl. That is like the beginning <laughs> of like the like any like horror sex comedy, any like like found footage. Like you are the woman that ends up on the milk carton. What are you thinking? This is New York. This is New York in the nineties too. You go pick up some strange Jerry curl looking dude with an accent on the street, sis. Yeah, this is Brooklyn, Sis. and this is not Brooklyn where you can't afford a condo. This is Brooklyn in the mid-90s. I yeah. do love the setting. I love taking a vampire, and it just because the way that we all are trained to think of vampires, it's fish out of water twice because you don't oh, expect no. a vampire to be hailing from Jamaica in the first place. So that's already <laughs> throwing you for a loop. And then the fact that they're walking around, and Jay, there isn't a, a graveyard that they're stumbling around. There isn't these, these huge castles in Romania. It's Brooklyn, and we're maneuvering our way around an urban landscape. And Eddie Murphy, actually more accurately, Kadeem Hardison is our chauffeur. So what does this movie do for you? Well, you look at certain scenes, like, for instance, the very first scene where we're introduced to Maximilian doing killing. When you see Kadeem Hardison, Mitch Plaguey, and I forgot the other guy's name, but Mitch Plaguey is is synonymous with Wes Craven. Because remember, that's another horror comedy movie he did in Shocker. So when you see this, you're like, Wait, is this is this really the 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 horror thing? Because you have Eddie Murphy explaining, huh? I've been I've been sh- I've been stabbed, I've been burned, I've been broken over the rack, but I've never been shot. And then he gets <laughs> shot, rubs the bullet holes, which not just the holes in his <laughs> chest close up, but the shirt holes close up. Did anybody in continuity was like, yo, why should the shirt? Holes close up and like that There's was the thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the shirt hole. That's all I will say. <laughs> like they close. No, it's it, it's got that that horror camp that I love though because you have that scene and then you also have it's a very specific scene that that I remembered when I was watching it as a kid and it came flooding back when I caught this movie earlier this week was when. Uh, the, the roommate is being ravaged with pleasure by Maximilian and then Max turns full vampire on her and you see blood spill through the keyhole and at all like, places. How much blood is in that room that it is now being funneled out through the keyhole and it's just letting the audience know, hey, you know those sounds of pleasure you were hearing? Well, those are now screams of terror. Look at the blood we have as evidence. As a child, I remember, like, you don't understand everything as a child. Like, like sex in, on screen is, like, a thing that you know exists, but you're not, like, sure about it. And that whole blood thing, like, really confused me. I was like, I know she died, but I'm very confused. Because right before that, she was like, let me see your face. So, like, in my mind, I was picturing she, like, ran into the door and then started, like, bleeding through the peephole because she was running away from him with his face. Um, Guys, it's I, easy. A piece of her small intestine hit the doorknob and came through. Thank a, you, Lucy. A small piece of intestine. Sorry to interrupt. Don't explain this stuff. <laughs> Lucy <laughs> is our own Neil deGrasse Tyson, and she's going to give us the physics of how that works because <laughs> Maximilian does mention that when he makes a kill, he likes a good spray. 
And so maybe there was just blood spraying all over the place and it got through the keyhole. Regardless, Maximilian, okay. for all you want to say about him being a vampire, Jay, the, he does appear to be a very suave ladies man. And this is Eddie at his peak of, hey, every time I'm in a movie, I want to be the coolest guy in the room. No, no, they just wrote it for him to be that suave. There's no, again, this Nikki character, what woman sees a dude with a Nick Ashford pair perm and an Eddie Munster swoop in the front and just like, oh, I'm finna bring him into my house and do what I do with him. You sure ain't from around here? Yes, you could say I'm a long way from home. Uh, well, uh, mine's upstairs. Would you like to come and warm up with some coffee or uh, some other refreshment? Well, I wouldn't want to keep you up. <laughs> No, no. Then not to mention when Nikki's getting ravaged and murdered by Maximilian, Angela Bassett, who is all of a sudden upset that her roommate is is banging her partner because now she quote unquote got feelings. She goes and paints outside and the sound of a New York train is loud enough to cover screams. What? No. Those trees yeah. get pretty loud. And it, th this is one of the things that I did appreciate about the film is that Usually when you're watching a movie and you know sort of who's playing the characters and you know that this character is confused about, in, in this case, her partner and what's going on in the other room, I was genuinely excited about the drama that was going to ensue and how we were going to resolve it. But we would be remiss at this point if we did not mention how great Angela Bassett is in this movie. Maybe she didn't want to be there and maybe she's coming off of being Oscar nominated for What's Love Got to Do With It and thinking, what did I just get myself into? into but she plays the hell out of this police officer yeah Angela Bassett is everything in this and I think like I mean there's a lot of things about the movie that I love but basically like I just felt like I, I was like enamored by her cheekbones like I'm just like Angela Angela Bassett's cheekbones are just like a work of art and just the way she uses that and like the sneer that mixes with the style I just uh, I lived for everything that that she did. There's so many things about this movie. Like when I was talking about like how people could say that it's rotten, there's so many things. First of all, were we just gonna add in that the ring turns the ghoul, spoiler alert, y'all, into a vampire? Like when did that become a part of the mythology? He says at the beginning of the movie that he has to go to her because she's a half vampire, but like abracadabra with the ring, he can become a vampire. You done flip flop the end, all the flip flop and flip flop and flip I got my shit back, man. I got my hand back. I got my arm back. I got jewels out the ass. Look at this jewels. And look at these fly ass shoes I got, man. And, oh, oh, my. What? Oh, my. Man, Max said being a ghoul had benefits. What? But goddamn. Like, there's so many things. First of all, the snake. Like, what was up with that part about it? And just the physics of what Eddie Murphy is able to do. Like, he can make an entire apartment, but he can't manage to get justice to, like, turn away from when he's trying to talk to her. Like, it's just, there's no rhyme or reason to, like, any of the actual mythology. Again, why nobody paid attention to the fact that a man is literally decomposing in front of them and nobody seemed to care. Um, Have you anybody... been to New York? Well, the number one thing, no, no, the number one thing, why is a vampire turning into a wolf? Can we, a vampire, remember, he is a wolf on the ship. A wolf, not, oh. not a bat. 
He is a giant wolf. Sheltered children. You are going off of this one definition of vampire (laughs) that we've all been had beat into our heads since we were little kids. This is a different sort of vampire. This is a marriage of some of the Transylvanian traditional Uh, vampires that you uh, hear about, combined uh, with the West Indies Jamaican lore, the zombies, the undead thing that they have going for them, and it combines in this creature that could be what maybe it turns into a bat too i don't know it does at the end he does at the end when he dies right he turns into a vampire into a bat it's it's this is why i love vampires more than like your frankenstein story or your mummy or your black lagoon creature is because vampires have this endless mythology that we can massage to fit whatever we want with the movie now again i don't know how the magic works with fixing bullet holes or getting blood through doors or being able to furnish a very nice apartment (laughs) in an otherwise run down brooklyn Hellhole, but and why did she believe that BS? I don't care what the apartment looks like on the inside. This dude you just see what you walked into a crack den. <laughs> the fact that he managed to put a penthouse in a crack den, there are so many questions. There's so many moments in this where I'm like, oh, how? Oh, I forgot one like too. Go I got ahead. one too, Jacqueline. Like when when Justice goes to Julius's girlfriend's apartment, knocking on the door, and she oh he tell her she's a he's a cop. He tell her he's a cop. She opens the door with a shotgun in his face, and then he pulls out his shield, and the gun is still there. Like what cop is just cool with like, hey man, look, I get you got this shotgun in my face, yeah, but I'm looking for your boy. You seen him? Like, and she was like, oh yeah, come on in. What? <laughs> What? That girl is about to be a crime scene. Look, again, but this is the deal. That is the stuff why I'm like, I get why people are like, how? Also, like, just the, again, again, the ending is something that I really particularly enjoy. Like the actual last scene where Kareem Hardison becomes uh, the vampire and he gets that like nice, oh, we're going, there's a new vampire in Brooklyn. Like that is one of my all time favorite scenes. But right before that, it doesn't really explain how Angela Bassett, who had the whole like vampire head from the Lost Boys for like part of the freaking last scene, is all of a sudden normal now just because she stared at a cross. I am not trusting her. I need her to go bathe in holy water before I'm letting her anywhere near me. Jacqueline, she almost tried to kill Justice. Like, or the line. Yes. Or the line where she goes, cross my heart and hope to die. I said, I want to throw the script. I want to throw the script. I don't even have it in my hand and I want to throw the script. I want to throw it. So okay. all these are the reasons why I know that it's a it's a bad movie. That being said, you can't help but have fun with it. If they just cut down the movie of Kareem Hardison and Kadeem, the late Kadeem, Kadeem. Put so some respect Kadeem. on his name. Kadeem. Yes, Kadeem. I said Kareem. I said Kareem. Well, you know what? It's the He 90s. might be listening. He might be listening. Kadeem Hardison and John Witherspoon, the late, great, great. John Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Just cut their scenes into a movie. You don't need anything else. You don't even need Eddie Murphy at that point. Just cut their scenes into a movie. We're it's good. a great Ooh, opening too. shot no, with no. Kadeem and Witherspoon. Because it, 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 with the ship just crashing in and they're just hanging out. Wait, I want more of that story. No, the fact that nobody notices while they watching Family Feud, nobody notices a big a big old ship coming through and just wrecking everything. Everything. <laughs> nobody paid attention. Like yeah. there's no sound but nothing but Ray Combs and them trying to convince showgirls to say sheets and John Witherspoon spells it C H E E T sheets. What? What? <laughs> I just think Witherspoon is great as he is in everything. Kadeem Hardison, 
lends such comedic value to this movie. And but but we do get some of the classic Eddie. And that is not in his form as the vampire. It's when he expands his reach to be playing either a preacher or a foul-mouthed Italian dude. And both of those, I'm just, it makes me so thrilled to see how good Eddie Murphy is. And Wes Craven was, because Wes Craven and Eddie, I'm not sure they got along all that much on set because they kind of were making two different movies. But Wes, in interviews since then, before Wes passed away, would say that he was amazed at how seamlessly Eddie Murphy can just not be the vampire today and just put on some makeup, and now all of a sudden he's a preacher. But according to the lore of this movie, Eddie had to change a lot of what the preacher Mm -hmm. says because his own religious beliefs, Eddie Murphy's religious beliefs, were in conflict with what the preacher is saying. So that whole evil is good sequence that we get, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I I think Wes really had to talk Eddie off the ledge just to get him to do that. The bottom line, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that evil, evil is necessary. Evil is necessary, thereby, if it's necessary, evil must be good. Evil is good. So here's the question. Knowing that now, what was the, I want to know what the original dialogue was. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, you know what that reminds me of? So, th- like, sometimes this happens where directors will go way past what they want as a way to get you to do what they really want. So, mm, like, Fincher yeah. did this actually when um, it was Fight Club and Marla says, I haven't been F like that since grade school. And the the censors were like, you can't use that line. It's horrible. And so then he wrote a worse line, which was, I'm not even going to say it's really bad. And then they were like, you know what? Go back to the grade school one. So I bet you if it was Wes Craven, just a little, little worse psychology, I bet you he was just like, okay, we're going to tell you to say the most blasphemous thing in the world to where that way when he says, you know, ass is good that's how y'all got here not that hard of a leap and it's factual it's factual it's, but then when he say if you get yourself a piece of evil ass mm, like and the fact he gets the whole congregation and the choir to go evil is good evil is good like wait we're a black church outside just gonna go ahead and start singing and chant evil is good both of y'all should know this the person holding the microphone can uh, can can say anything. Like you can get people to do anything if you're yeah, holding this the microphone. This is true. This is true. This is this is yeah. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It helps when you're Eddie Murphy. 
I mean, yeah. just as as comics, the, the J and I are. Yes, you, you can get audiences to go with you. He's pulling a, a page out of Steve Martin's book in that scene. He's saying, hey, let's all go outside and let's really take this to a different destination. And I'm with the old guy because there's an old guy sitting in one of the back pews and he looks over and he sees the preacher's head that's flaming. And, and he's just like, we got to move. We got to go outside. <laughs> and like maybe a different point in my life, I'd say, yeah, let's go outside. Let's have church outside. It's like, no, I'm staying inside. Y'all go do your service out there. Come on back in here for communion. Can we talk about, since we're talking about Preacher Paulie, what was the prosthetic budget? Like, how low was it when they was just like, hey, man, it's just going to be real shiny on camera. Every prosthetic was, we put on. I actually think that was just a, a symptom of the time. I, I actually noticed something, too, with, like, Angela Bassett, because Angela Bassett is gorgeous, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her. But I also feel like they, like makeup back then was not the same, especially with black skins. They didn't know how to light it. There was a lot of aspects of this where I'm like, no offense to Wes Craven, but a white film director, I don't know if we were getting, again, this doesn't need to be a cinematic masterpiece, but she just felt very blown out. Her makeup didn't feel mm. warm. If you look at her makeup in that and then go look at the makeup on something like Boomerang, where that was an entirely different um, sort of like, production crew behind it um i don't think it's like kind of outside of um understanding as to why this was like the last movie that paramount and eddie murphy did together like i feel like that marriage they were just a little bit too established hollywood mm-hmm. to get what he was going for also there's a scene when she is talking to maximilian and she got lipstick all in her teeth mm. and i was like y'all just gonna let angela <laughs> let bassett do, yeah let this y'all let do a whole scene with lipstick dead on her front teeth like we just we just like no we're gonna keep this like again that lets you know how much west craven it all it was like look we got about five more shots and we done all right yeah so we'll go ahead and wrap. also yeah. speaking of bad makeup is uh is it bad that I was like low key attracted to Eddie Murphy as the Italian guy? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was like, yes, kind of. Yes, there's something kind of, there's something kind of no. nice about this. <laughs> no. Also, we need to talk about that scene because look, I am not, I'm not advocating for any animal violence, but the way he shoots the cat and it explodes. Oh wait! First of all, first of all, we need to go back and unpack the fact that Lucy is. Anyway, attracted to the goblin that is Eddie Murphy in white makeup. Yes, it is. That's you just knew that was a black dude. They just dude. Said it was like, like let's put this on him. It looks like an abomination. I like think his person. makeup as a white guy was better in that SNL sketch he did when he's going to be Thank a white you. guy for I a day. I literally was thinking the same than thing. it was here, but. Part of the problem is that we want to blame makeup. We're going to blame whoever else. It, it could have been Eddie Murphy at this time because True. there are reports very difficult to work with on set. There were yeah. rumors that he had spies wandering around the set that would tell him, hey, don't come out of your trailer because they're not ready to actually shoot you yet. And so he'd be in his trailer watching a boxing match or something. And so I, I do think that it, with any star of that caliber, your ego can get the better of you from time to time. And this is a point in Eddie Murphy's career where, A, he's tired of his Paramount deal because this was the last movie on so he just yeah. wanted to get through the Paramount deal so we could go on and do something like Nutty Professor but he also was so huge 
that th there's really no one to talk to. You, it, it's like you're the Beatles, except you're the only Beatle. And there's no one to relate to. There's no one really to bring you back down to earth. And so you just assume whatever you touch is going to turn into gold. And some of that stuff boils up from time to time if you have that context. So I, I encourage everybody listening to go back and watch the movie again and just know that a, a lot of this doesn't necessarily have to do with anyone holding Eddie Murphy back. It might be Eddie holding himself back. Don't I disagree with that at all. Seen. I, but I love the way I, I don't disagree, but I just love the passion, the way you are defending this movie, Mark. Like if y'all can see Mark Ellis's <laughs> face. And, and let's it's, be honest, yeah, so uh, this is not the way I thought this episode would be going, that the two black people would be like, this is trash. And we have a white boy from North Carolina being like, let me tell you about my love for this movie. I love it. This is why this podcast is amazing, because you never know. Because we sitting there like, I'm sitting there, me and Jack are like, yo, did you not see what this garbage was? What is wrong with you? And we got Mark being like, man, y'all, that's misunderstood. I need y'all to like understand where this movie is coming from. Wait, wait, let me just say this. Let me say this. Another reason why this movie didn't have a chance, they not only killed a cat, they killed a dog. And they killed a dog within the first 20 minutes. Oh my God, they exploded a dog. Eddie does not like animals. And I was like, do you not know that like, White people really like their animals. Yeah. Everybody the likes their animals, especially but the This white cop. boy from North Carolina was very disturbed at the dog scene because because the, the dog doesn't really explode. He just kind of throws He just levitates it with his mind. That dog ain't walking away. No, he that. said he told the dog. The dog he, he told the dog to air. jump. He told him to and jump. It's going, and, just and you just assume. You hope it's going to land in the water and doggy paddle away, but it doesn't. It just lands like a log and it's never addressed again. You're like, oh, God, I don't think that dog made it after all. So in my head canon, Kadeem Hardison's new vampire in Brooklyn, his first task is to make that is to reincarnate that dog and make it his own little personal werewolf butler. But wait, let's talk about the dumb cop because the cop, he was like. He just looks down. He didn't see no sparks in the air. He just looked down with a dog like, wait, Why wait, wait. is his weapon not out? Your dog literally exploded Loaded. like this was a 4th of July parade. And he's just looking around like, I don't know what happened. But he's the same dumb cop in the police station later when Eddie Murphy, as the Italian dude, makes the crazy lady try to kill a cop. And he gets yes. knocked on the floor. And he's like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yes. he's like and like he went that way and first of all that lady played crazy great best acting in the movie let's be honest Her okay I, i'm not gonna just idly stand by and, and let y'all trash this movie because if you take a step back and you look at all the things that this movie does well it a lot of people will look at this and say this is an homage to black station black exploitation movies of the 70s which of course there are elements of that and they reference uh, blackula and stuff like that but this is more to me there, there's nice comedic elements for sure but it's that campiness of a 1930s to 1950s horror movie that you did not see anymore, that Wes Craven was clearly a fan of, that I bet Eddie Murphy was a fan of, and it, it embodies all of that elements where we don't need to necessarily worry about staying consistent with the same mythology that we've seen in a thousand other vampire movies and incorporating new elements of what it means to be an undead soul. And the other thing I love about the vampire in this, you never, you always hear like vampires, they look suave and 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 they, they appear to have nice taste and fine art and stuff like that, but they're tortured souls. They hate, deep down, they hate the fact that they're vampires that they got bit. If they could take it all back, they would. Eddie seems to be having a 
great time as a vampire the whole movie to the point where I'm like, I don't know that it would be bad if he bit me on the neck. And I became a vampire because he seems to really have a good life. I mean, he does have to kill people, Mark. <laughs> he goes for a white woman in the park and is like, yeah, she deserve it. What? I mean, so, by the way, like, I'm just go ahead and say, like, this movie gets like really goes real hard for some people that I would assume it would be its audience. Like that, I don't know. Those two Italian dudes deserved it. That's the they kind did. of th- yeah. that's what I would feast on the criminals. I'd be like a Batman vampire, which I do think was a run in the comics, Jay. <laughs> that park moment, Jacqueline, that you're talking about. That, to me, did anybody else feel, it's very, this movie's very relevant today, because I was like, oh no, it's a Karen in the park. That's oh, literally what that's I thought. She was like, I that understand the pride of the Negroes. She no, said, I understand the pride of the Negroes. White feminism personified. <laughs> just like, they gave her a freaking murder cutscene. But <laughs> listen, I was like, oh, you poor sweetie. Listen, the black exploitation aspect, <clears throat> I also think is like, I agree with you. I love the black exploitation films. Uh, old, bla- old Dracula, Blackula, like all of the very like grindhouse sort of like um, uh, Jack Hill, even Roger Corman did a bunch of this stuff. Love, love, love those, love those movies. However, I think what it was is with those movies, the jokes were within the seriousness of it. And they definitely were broad and they were camp, but they still were still very much, I think, committed to the horror of it. And I feel like every time this movie steps into horror, they had a commitment. Like David Niven is in Vampira slash old Dracula. And he is so committed to just this like very sort of, you know, posh over it all vampire that all of the jokes happen around him. And I think Eddie, you kind of have to have him in on the joke. So he still just doesn't feel that, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like they really tried to do two things and they never really, I think, achieved both of them. But for everything they did do, really, 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 really funny. I could literally just watch John Witherspoon say, bang, 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 bang. (laughs) On repeat, on like a YouTube clip for two days straight, not lose any of the entertainment value. To hear... The one part with Kadeem Hardis when he first meets Eddie Murphy and he's like, yeah, I can take you to KFC, get you some chicken, and then I can introduce you to some, some hoes, some real good hoes. And then Eddie Murphy has to go, I'm not interested in your hoes. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was the lie. That was the actual. Okay, so here's Somebody my theory about that. that. And m- maybe y'all have some insight that, that I don't have. I think that Eddie Murphy wanted to be a more serious actor, but I think he was fine in comedies like boomerang without doing his trademark laugh. Does that make any sense to anyone? Because it seemed like he might've just thought that audiences were wanting the Axel Foley kind of laugh. And so when you see boomerang, he giggles and and he gets close to the the trademark laugh, but, but he never really gets there and it ain't anywhere near vampire in Brooklyn. And I think that this was, him looking at this film and seeing where he could have been funny and holding back from that. And so it's a weird thing for me to watch because I'm a fan of Eddie Murphy as a comic, first and foremost. And so to see him hold back and, and restrain himself, it, it, it's kind of like watching a quarterback who you know is super mobile, who can scramble all over the field, but in this drive, they're just staying in the pocket the whole time and throwing the football. So Mitch Trubisky, gotcha. Um, Interception. Well, yeah, I mean, a little more accurate. <laughs> I mean, they're throwing accurate. the football, but I don't know if they're throwing it to the right team. Not on this, all of these. Yeah, this is very true. Because, again, Eddie Murphy is trying to be serious 
in a movie where when you look at the script, if you're reading this script, you can see it's not meant to be serious at every time. And at times where he's trying to be serious, where like the one scene where he finally brings Angela Bassett to the super deluxe apartment in the crack house, which we still don't get it. Like we should have seen a snap of the finger or something. It was just all of a sudden like coming to America. Remember when Simi took the money and then just fixed the apartment <laughs> up and it was like, bam, like this. By is the way, this part. movie mirrors that exact same plot. A foreigner mm-hmm. comes to mm-hmm. New York looking for his intended bride he has a bumbling assistant and he decks out a hood apartment Mm -hmm. wow jack and coley blowing minds here would you let me if you thought i was still a good (laughs) twerker there's also two great uh penis jokes in that one we got the last one and and then you got kadeem losing his stuff and then at the very end again i love that scene so much i used to watch that on youtube like just to replay that part where he like becomes a vampire because he's like i know he said vampire had its benefits but damn <laughs> also when you turn into a vampire you get twist that's the thing yes! you need to learn too uh, look look <laughs> homeboy got the straight cut upgrade like- though <laughs> dude was looking fly it was some steve urkel like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like, Steve Ghoul to, like, Steve Urkel type stuff, man. He was so busted. So busted. Stefan Urkel. I think Vampire in Brooklyn is much better than the Stefan Urkel storyline from yes, Family Matters. And, and I'm a Family Matters fan, but come on. Vampire in Brooklyn, <laughs> I think, it deserves a lot better than the love it got from the critics at the time and even from what the audience score was. So I'm, I would go so far as to say this movie's fresh. I think it's a fresh movie for what it was. It was aiming for a lot. It did not hit all of the marks. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it's got a lot to enjoy in there. And I think the studio kind of sabotaged itself because we live in a world now, I think rightly, that releases horror movies in theaters leading up to Halloween, where you get it in late September, you get it the first weekend of October, (laughs) and you have all those weeks to build up box office and generate, hey, it's Halloween season, let's go see the scary movie. This movie came out, Halloween weekend in 1995. And then it had to run through November. And it's like, nobody's going to go see a vampire November 1st. You're done with the candy. Now you're just having cavities. And it was going up against some pretty stiff competition because it opened, I think, the same weekend of Get Shorty. And Powder was apparently a big movie theater success. Then it had to hit Ace Ventura 2, and then it had to hit Goldeneye, and so there's no win there. I, for the love of life of me, will not understand why this movie did not come out earlier in October. It's like, if this would have been a hit, Eddie Murphy may have stayed at Paramount and he would have been doing, like, different versions of Beverly Hills Cop for the next 10 years, you know? So, like, I like that he was able to sort of move forward and say that he wants to do something else. I maintain that I love this movie. I adore this movie. And there is not a day, like, if this is on, I will not stop to watch it. But I cannot say that it's a good movie for all of the things I just told you about. However, I can say that it's it's still enjoyable, and I think everybody should see it. And I dare you not to have a good time. Jay, are you are you you're sticking with Rotten on this? I'm I'm still sticking with Rotten. It's a Rotten film that I can watch if I need a good laugh, just because of how it's one of those. How bad is this film? Because you you see it and you're like, okay, I, I even know this part is happening, but it's still doing this dumb stuff. Again, the full on when he's finally a full vampire in the face prosthetics 
where it's just like they put latex and Vaseline all over his face and was like, <laughs> just turn the light up all the way bright. Just get the reflection off his cheekbones. And then it was like, then they did the blowout part of his perm when he was dying. And it was just, it's just so much. It's just so much. Okay, then I, I got a question for y'all because this is clearly not anybody's favorite vampire movie of all time. What is the greatest vampire film in the history of cinema? Jay, I'm going to stick with you first for this question. Fright Night. Fright Night. Roddy McDowell and all them, Fright Night. The original Fright Night. That's a great call. Okay, that, that, that's a good vote for Fright Night there. Jacqueline Coley, do you have something to top Fright Night? Well, this is where I'm just going to go ahead and live in my in my bougie indie life. But there's a movie called Let the Right One In. It is a Polish vampire love story. Is it Polish? I don't know. It's, it's something Scandinavian. Um, but it's dope. Well, we can all agree that we enjoy Vampire in Brooklyn, although some of y'all might agree with the tomato meter more than I do. Here's what really bugs me about the tomato meter uh, with this movie is that it's at this movie is at 12%. It is only 1% higher than another horror comedy released in 1995 called Dracula Dead and Loving It. I was just about to say that. The Mel Brooks movie. There's a with lot Leslie of- Nielsen? With yeah. Leslie Nielsen. There's a lot of great filmmakers that made horror movies in 1995 <laughs> that did not work out well. Now, obviously, Mel Brooks is making it for straight comedy. John Carpenter also had Village of the Damned come out in 1995, and that's that, that's sitting at 32. I don't, I don't know why Village of the Damned is higher than something as classic as Vampire in Brooklyn. But I will give a shout out to Tales from the Hood is at 47%, yes. and that's one of the top-rated horror movies of that year. So Tales from the Hood may be a future episode. we got to get into that one. Yeah, because then you can talk about the third one, which is, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How many it have there been? It's the third one. Now, they just released the third one. Yes, and I've watched that. Is and it I good? Watched, <laughs> <laughs> you Uh-oh. can't say that word with Jack that. Jacqueline sounds like... It, 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 <laughs> You sound like uh, Angela Bassett's roommate when she's being roast. <laughs> Listen. Oh, wait, one more thing. I know I said, and I stand by, uh, let the right one in, but I also want to mention uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, Tilda Swinton Callback. Mm, okay, good one. With some Tom Hiddleston. In case you can't tell, I love my romance vampire movies, not yes. Twilight. Yes. Yeah, the the, the non the the ones actually made for adults. Lucy, do you do you want to weigh in with your favorite vampire movie in history? Yeah, so I actually, th- sorry, I have a tie. So the one that's like really scary that scares the shit out of me because it feels really real is Twenty Eight Days Later. No shit, those oh. are zombies. I was no, saying, girl, that's zombies. No, they're vampires. No, they're vampires. Oh, Twenty Eight Days. I'm thinking Thirty Days a Night. My bad. Yes. No. Okay, sorry. That's the one. Thirty I'm Days of Night. Thirty Days of Night. That yeah, movie that scares the ever living bejesus out of me and then but the one along the lines of like a vampire romance i love byzantium byzantium i don't know how to say it but caleb landry jones as saoirse ronan's love interest oh yes oh yes it is so unique you watch it you're just y'all are making it impossible for guys listening to this show as to how to please a woman (laughs) properly because you're saying you love vampire love stories but yet you mock how eddie murphy looks in his vampire movie so i don't know what women want anymore first of all sir i want to say this as a man 
Eddie Murphy looked like a pimp stuck out of the black exploitation and original Soul Train days. That they was like, hey man, come on out the Soul Train line real quick. We got a roll for you. Like they sat there and did this. The costume changes like we just wasn't supposed to know these vests and shirts just change randomly. And like he ain't got no wardrobe. All he had was a cup. I'm done. done. Hey, you know who did makeup for this? Who did makeup for this? This is, hold on, I want to make sure this is the same dude. Yeah, it's Robert Kirkman. Kurtzman. What? Kurtzman. Yes, Robert Kurtzman did makeup for this, but it was very early in his career. So. Who's that? He's very famous. He did Dust, he did uh, Dust Until Dawn. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Very, very famous uh, prosthetics uh, guy. Did Evil Dead 2. Um, Another great horror comedy. That, yeah. that might be the oh, yeah. that, that might be the, the archetype. If you're looking at a horror comedy that can make you laugh and can also scare the hell out of you, it's probably Evil Dead 2, Scream, and then everything else. Also, did Mark Wahlberg's penis for Boogie Nights. Oh well, that's that's a, a that's a, <laughs> that's a that like he was he was in the prosthetics department for that, that wasn't movie real? as well. Can you ask the question like, hey, so what's been the highlight of your career, sir? Well, I did Mark Wahlberg's penis. <laughs> See, I mean, that was a very important plot point. Penis that penis doesn't sell; it ruins the whole movie. So okay. actually, this I would is, put that on my CV. This is, as I'm this closing is. up shop here, I'm going to say this: is that if I was ever in a movie and I had a prosthetics guy do my penis for me, what I would do is I would have the relationship that Leo has with Brad in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's like I would just cruise around the streets of Los Angeles and I'd say, "Hey, I'm a Hollywood actor, and this this is my penis guy, and this is the guy that makes all the prosthetics, and then I'm the one that actually is the rest of the body, and we just have adventures." See, you you going too much. Of- you going too far in the description, like, hey, this is my penis guy. Hey, and just come I, out and just throw I, your leg out the window. Just throw yeah. your left leg out the window, like, <laughs> hey. That is so not going to fly on LA's uh, highways. It just oh, isn't. Y'all are boy. going to jail. Um, I also wanted to mention in case somebody like goes on IMDb and they want to yell at me in the comments. Greg Nicotero also worked on this movie, but he worked on the puppeteer side, so he was working. I'm guessing on all of the, the like. Dog? Like fake faces that they did. I don't know, but he that's wasn't. also early I mean, in his career doing yeah. Walking Dead. Now, yeah, yeah. wait, and wait, what? Of the dog flying into the water. Yeah. Yes, like stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's wait. where where he was. The cat, the dog, and the cat. Because I'm like, what did you puppeteer? Preacher Paulie's face was just layers of latex. Oh. <laughs> hey, look. If somebody cat, calls though. and they say we need you to show up to do one day of puppet work on an Eddie Murphy movie, all of us are taking that phone call and we are showing up to set. So, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm coming in with a sock puppet just in case. Like, yo, I didn't know what you needed. Like, I got this. Oh, he might have did, and he probably did the snake as he did the snake as well. I keep forgetting about that. The, the snake scene is cool. I, is, there's a lot to like in this movie. So here's what I want everybody listening to do. First of all, you can actually watch this right now on either Fandango Now or Vudu. It is tis the season to be watching movies like Vampire in Brooklyn. Have a ball with it, but then let us know what you think of the movie. We want to hear from you. We love when we get comments from y'all. You can email us anytime. RT is wrong 
at RottenTomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Let us know how we're doing on the show. Tell us how much you loved having Jay as part of the program today or what you thought about Vampire in Brooklyn or other movies that you think we need to be talking about. We're getting into Thanksgiving season, so maybe Son-in-Law comes up. Christmas season, I'm sure there's Fred Claus defenders out there. So come out of the woodwork and let us know which movies you want to hear us talk about. And you can also hit us up on our individual social media channels. First off, Jay Washington, where can all the kids out there find you and all the stuff you're working on? Well, you can find me not talking about Fred Claus and not talking about son-in-law on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Mr. J Washington. That's M-R-J-A-Y. You should really know how to spell Washington. It's the truth. My own YouTube channel, <laughs> youtube.com slash J-A-Y Washington 8-0. I have a review of Tales from the Hood 3 up there. Yeah, you want to check <laughs> that out. Uh, and Blurds in the Hood, every Tuesday and Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, with me and Winston A. Marshall, youtube.com slash B-L-E-R-D-S, the letter N-T-H-E-H-O-O-D. We cover pop culture, entertainment, news, sports, and everything, and we are unapologetically black with the show. So come check that out. I have two questions to ask you. One of them might hurt a little bit. Which one do you want first, the <laughs> non-painful one or the painful one? Let's just get this pain out the way. Okay. You were great on the season debut of The Weakest Link. It's Thank back, you so much. It's on. It was so great to see you. Thank you. How did you, you, I mean, you got so close, Jay. You got uh-huh. so close uh-huh. to winning a ton of cash. Uh-huh. What does that do to you emotionally? Are you back now? Are you back to fighting weight? No, what that does is me tell people, hey, go ahead and support me on Cash App and Venmo, uh, Mr. J. Washington for both. Uh, you realize I got babies uh, and I didn't get a chance to get money from my babies. That's what you Aww. learn. And that's how I feel about that. Oh, you were so good on the show, though. So, yes, but throw Jay some love. Get his get his kids. Some, to, to borrow a, a line from Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop 2, my twin daughters, Monique and Unique, I need to get them new shoes. <laughs> Monique and Unique, yes. Um, Jay, do you have a uh, the, the last painful question? Is uh, one I'm sure you can answer. What is your movie recommendation for the season of spookiness that we are now upon? Okay, so I this is a movie that for some reason still terrifies me, but then it, I know why it terrifies me. It's Eli Roth's Hostel. It Oof. made me realize as a black dude, I'm never going backpacking anywhere. Nope. Because I, they'll put me on the auction block real quick. Like they'd be like, "Yeah, you got the Russian five thousand, European ten thousand, American twenty five thousand, but a black American have some fun with this." So if you want to be horrified and just realize, like, oh, backpacking is probably just white people thing and people who are real cool with white people, watch Hostel. <laughs> <laughs> Where can all the kids find you, Jacqueline? Yeah, as I was gonna say, you guys can also find me at that Jacqueline on all forms of social media because I'm that girl that talks about movies. And if I had to give a recommendation for horror films to watch right now, I would recommend The Lure, which is a Polish rock musical about murderous mermaids. Oh my god! Fabulous. Wait, and it's, wait, wait. I need yes, you to bring all that down. Everything I game. just said. It is a Polish rock musical. These girls leave the ocean because they want to pursue their dreams of stardom. They start working at a strip club and they start murdering oh. the clients and their mermaids. Oh. Um, I'm going to need the title of this movie again because the this is lore. an immediate watch. The lore. It's fabulous. I'm telling you guys, you'll, you'll have a good time. You will sing. Jay's, you will dance. You will be horrified because those are heifers okay? are terrified. Yeah. Jay is Fell out. No, Jay no, has this is fell they got out. big dreams. 
Jews will start them. <laughs> they, the they do. They leave the ocean to be like they want to be like you know follow their dreams. It is it is it is La La Land set underwater, y'all. With Ooh. dangerous. <laughs> oh my goodness! I would just it, it, you can only make it so far as a mermaid because eventually you're gonna get into some Hollywood exec's office. Like kid, you got it all. You got talent. You got looks. You got pizzazz. Unfortunately, the bottom half is a fish. <laughs> And uh, we, we, we can't put that on camera. We're going to have to get my prosthetic guy is currently molding a, uh, a penis for another movie. And so we can't get him in here to make a whole lower half of you. You're done in this town. The work like studio. Exactly. The the but we can put a prosthetic penis on a merman. You know what? I think some things can do with that. Okay? <laughs> We've had entirely too much fun on this episode. I am simply at Mark Ellis live across all social media platforms. Huge. Thanks. To our very special guest, Jay Washington. And just to make things happy here, and so something we can all agree on at the end, my vampire movie recommendation, I'm going back to the original Blade. Give me some Wesley Snipes and sunglasses, cutting off heads. That's what I like to see in my vampire movies. Comic books, scary stuff, all of that, and more. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. For Jack and Coley, very special guest, Jay Washington, producer Lucy expert curator Tim Ryan, and we say thank you. Be safe. If this is the last episode you're hearing before Halloween, careful about those trick-or-treating kids. It's pandemic, but they're still out there. They're running around. So just be careful when you're driving on Halloween night, or better yet, stay inside, enjoy our podcast, and then watch the movie we just talked about, Vampire in Brooklyn. Next week, oh my God, I cannot wait to do this next week. Jacqueline, do you know what next week's movie is? I forgot. Oh, venom, I, venom, Venom, it is venom. 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 I'm so mad I'm not on this episode. Venom. So I can tell you how dumb this movie was. Yes, Tom Hardy eating lobsters. Eddie, queen. on my planet, I'm a loser just like you. What? <laughs> it's just a, uh, it, it's going to be, and I have feelings about this movie, but this is definitely one of those ones that I have to go rewatch again just to make sure that I'm so everything is you. buttoned up because I have a feeling it's going to get heated on this Venom episode. So make sure you all tune into that next week. In the meantime, rate, review, all that good stuff wherever you enjoy listening to our show. Thanks for all your support. And you'll hear Jacqueline and I talking about Venom next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.